we can have a conversation at a table like this about racism, and I think we know what we mean when we say that, but I don't even like the, the word itself. Yeah. Because there's one human race right. and a multiplicity of ethnicities, yeah. and yet the only thing that really is different is the the melanin count yeah. in our shades, <laughs> and and that's it, right? So, um, it, so what what wokeism does is it actually divides; it never unifies. So you know what unifies us? What this ministry stands for is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. And what G3 stands for is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, regardless of your your ethnicity, regardless of your melanin count, we are brought together under the banner of the gospel of King Jesus. That's one of the most detrimental things about wokeism. I'm curious to know how old you guys were when you finally discovered that the actors in the Bruce Lee movies of old were actually speaking another language. What? And had a voice <laughs> dubbed what? over them and didn't have a speech impediment. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Can you do out of sync talk? What are you doing? <laughs> Does it skip a beat? Yeah, but seriously, I mean, come on, guys. I'm five, six, seven years uh, old. I actually got introduced to that long before Bruce Lee. For me, it was uh, Godzilla movies. No. Yeah. Remember the old, like, the oh, old yeah, Godzilla movies? Oh, yeah, that's right. That was where... You're talking about black and white ones? Or... Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, like... We had a bunch of VHS tapes of the old black and white Godzilla movies that were all dubbed into English. Yeah. That was, and then, like, all the old samurai movies, which ended up becoming Western movies later on, that, that was, like, the first dubbing experience I ever had. I wonder, seriously, what goes on through a child's mind as they're watching something like that. Like, I mean, as a kid, I, I, I knew it was an actor, but I'm thinking, this guy's huge, right? You don't, you don't understand. I've talked about this in an illustration I share. You don't understand movie magic, you know, and how things work in proportion. A guy in a sandbox with some, you know, Tonka trucks and toys and dollhouses and, you know. But, you know, how, how does that work in a child's brain? Because seriously, as a kid, I had no idea that that was another language. But you were just really? ent- entertained, weren't you? Yeah, but it's like, what's up with their lips? <laughs> Why are they talking that way? You just think that's normal. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's hilarious. Mark Spence, what are you doing over there as we're doing a podcast here? Nothing. I'm just trying to get some emails done. Why do you guys always pick on me? Unbelievable. I learned it from watching you, okay? During a podcast. That's fair. It's from Ray Comfort. Me? I do nothing. <laughs> I'm a humble innocent guy. What are you doing, Ray? Nothing. <laughs> you reach for a device and Easy's just like all over you like peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah. Well, there's times when it's necessary. Yes, this is right. You're looking something up for the podcast, but when you're answering emails and That's looking terrible. up how to get rid of your toe fungus. Yeah. Sick mark. Fantasy football. Actually, uh, true, uh, Chad Williams sent me a text, and I was just responding to it. That's what I was doing. Oh, that's worth responding Shame to. Navy SEAL Chad Williams. Emil, what have you ever done with your life? <laughs> I almost got drafted into the Lebanese. Oh, that's what right. an answer to prayer that would have been. How <laughs> 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 things would be different. Yeah. Seriously, can you guys imagine that? I, no. I, if I was not enrolled in, in university, I, I would have been kept in Lebanon a year and a half. We went back to visit. They're going to keep me a year and a Boy, half. Boy, the bar must be low over there. <laughs> <laughs> They'll take anybody. Yeah. No, boy, are we, aren't, I'm, I'm thankful that that didn't happen. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, Bob Ross. 
Bob, <laughs> here we go again. Mark, very grateful. No, but we were talking about dubbing earlier. Uh, we, we've had that. We, we've had uh, people tell us that they almost thought we spoke Spanish uh, because of some of our videos. Our dubbing is very good. They Isn't do that? a great job. Yeah. yeah, and it's what's called limp. Limp? Lip, <laughs> lip. Lip synchronization, which means they, they try to mimic as much as they can, like how you're saying it. But when I'm filming, I'm thinking Spanish translations, and I'm trying to get Every my time. lips to, yeah, to <laughs> feed into that. Yeah, that'd be funny. Do it in, in that kind of reverse sort of format. Yeah. No, but friends, if you haven't checked out the Living Waters Espanol channel, you got to check it out. And by the way, to those of you who do listen to us and you live in the Spanish-speaking world, uh, we are making our rounds. So we've been to Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, uh, uh, Dominican Republic, not just me, but uh, amongst our team, mm-hmm. Colombia, Chile. Uh, we just love to travel. Argentina. I will travel for tacos. Let me just put it out there. <laughs> Is it funny? I, when, when we've gone to some of the Latin American countries, I'm expecting tacos everywhere because we're used to Mexico being nearby, but most of them don't. Steaks and stuff. Yeah, it's just different. Tacos, a lot of people don't realize this. Tacos is like, um, it's like a sandwich. Like you, don't, like you don't invite people over and serve them sandwiches. You invite them over and you serve them steak or something good, right? And so when you go out to a restaurant in Mexico, you don't take them to a sandwich restaurant. You take them to a nice fancy restaurant. So tacos is like the sandwich to Mexican culture. We love it. It's really good. But oh. it's not like if you're going to go out for a fancy meal, you don't go out for tacos. So what, you, what we think is like the pinnacle of Mexican food is actually like eh, tacos. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a taco. But it's like, a, it's like an everyday meal. Where if you're going to go out to a nice dinner, you normally go out for steak or something more something more meaty. Yeah. Take me to tacos any day. <laughs> oh, I agree. I'm thinking of taco adobo right now. Eat. Or wiener schnitzel. Ah, they're close to each other. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys ate wiener schnitzel inside a taco. <laughs> I mean, wrap well. it in, listen, everything is good if you wrap it in tortilla and add a little bit of salsa. A little pico de gallo. Mm, salsa verde. Now we're talking. I'm going to give that a go. <laughs> They go that. They go that. Yeah, Ray wants to eat anything right now. Why are you hungry, Ray? I don't know. I had a very small breakfast. What oh. was it? Was it one an egg? egg and a piece of toast, and that's it? Why? Why did you go small today? What do you mean go small? <laughs> you usually have a lot more than that. No, I don't. That's all I have. What a humble man. Yeah. All right, friends. This comment is from D and Cal. Thank decal? You. Is that just like a decal? Like oh, a sticker? didn't think about that. D-N-Cal. Thank you. Love this podcast. You are all encouraging and thought-provoking and entertaining. Thank you for sharing your time and your talents. May God continue to bless you and yours. May he come quickly. Amen, hmm. Amen to that. The ending of the book of Revelation. Ray, how, how, how much are you looking forward to the return of Christ? Uh, 11 out of 10. <laughs> 10 being low mm-hmm. uh, seriously you know just the thought that, that the Lord can return at any time and what a delight it's going to be to to finally see him face to face you know imagine I mean, when that word faith disappears yeah. that you no longer need that word it's a word of the past Wow, mm, where our, our faith has become sight faith to face mm. you got to have faith to faith yeah no, but seriously, though, I, I think about that, and, um, you know, I think the longer you, you've walked with the Lord, the longer you've been in the faith, the greater your expectation grows. I, um, my wife, this kind of leads into this, my wife uh, 
she she works at a therapy riding center, so she trains horses that that uh, are horse therapy horses for children with disabilities and veterans that are come back from war. Yeah. And uh, there's this one kid who I happen to know is in a Christian household, but he's you know restrained to a wheelchair and doesn't really have any movement over his body. He's the sweetest kid ever, and and I was just like I was like praising the Lord that like man, I, and, I, and I asked him, Lord, can I? Could I bump into him in heaven one day? Mm, wow. I'd love to see this kid running around. Wow. You know? Friends, you know that there are a lot of things that we are delighted about announcing here on the Living Waters Podcast. But today, this is what you call extraordinary delight. Someone, a faithful friend of the ministry, has donated thousands of dollars to go toward us, get this, giving away free resources from the ministry to people. About $100 worth, right, Oscar? That's right, yeah. So every episode, we'll be giving away four boxes. Each box will be custom designed, one by Easy, one by Ray, one by Mark, and then, of course, the best one will be by me. (laughs) And in each box will be tracks, books, a podcast mug, and we'll be giving away uh, four per episode. That's my line. So I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Did you steal Mark's line? Did I? There will be four winners per podcast. Ah, oh, so sorry. <laughs> no, keep it going. I think it's fine. So this is so easy. Even Mark Spence could do it. Go to livingwaters.com <laughs> forward slash podcast and fill out the form. Real easy. Good on you, Ray. Yeah, well, that's going to be glorious to, to see so much of what we saw differently on earth transformed you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, we need to hold on to that hope and keep our focus. All right, friends, don't forget this podcast is brought to you by scientific facts in the Bible. Ray, that's one of your best-selling books. Yes. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, scientific facts in the Bible. Yeah. It's, um, it's one that I give to skeptics and they look at it and say, Oh, I'll read this, which is really neat. It it appeals to the intellect. Yeah. I, I mean, when you wrote that, Ray, uh, I, I'm sure you didn't think it was going to go as big as it has because it, it's it's really everywhere. You well, see it I wouldn't in airports. Say, yeah, you see it in what? What are you gonna say? Everywhere is a big word. Yeah, it's not right here. <laughs> no, it's it's literally. It's not on our desk. <laughs> literally everywhere. Actually, it is inside the evidence bible. Yeah. Ah, yeah, see? it is everywhere. Yeah, it's what you call ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Same friends, you. ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. That's one of those. It sounds words. like a cuss word. Huh? Ubiquitous. <laughs> one of those French cuss words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, scientific facts in the Bible, friends. And don't forget the Living Waters mug, the Evidence Study Bible, all at Living Waters. Period com. <laughs> Can't get over that, period com. All right, friends. G3, this is the final G3 interview, sadly. We did it. We did it. We got through 11. We sat down and we did the tops and tails after we did all the interviews there because Ray Comfort was not with us. Mm-hmm. You were in prison, right? (laughs) (laughs) Ray, we're going to drag you there next time. Yeah, sure. I don't think Ray could get through the place uh, without getting stopped every three seconds. Uh, Ken Ham was there. Yes. That's a good reason for me not to go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They were bombarded at their booth. Seriously, I couldn't believe that the amount of people that, uh, after Ken spoke, surrounded their booth, and then the line was like a mile long. That's because we told the crowd there's a Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel. <laughs> Neanderthal. Neanderthal. Up at that, at that uh, That's desk. what did it, yeah. We love Ken. We poke fun of him. 
Uh, he's a fun guy. All right, friends, without any further ado, we he's sat a down. mushroom? <laughs> <laughs> fun guy. Uh, without any further ado, we sat down fun with guy. the f- fun guy. Fun Did guy. you hear that? Yeah, yeah, that's why I said fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we sat down with the founder and president of G3, uh, just a, a great brother who has a passionate heart for truth and, and really gave us uh, some, some good input and insight on how to combat wokeness in the church, because unfortunately, it's here, friends. Here he is, our dear brother, Josh Bice. Friends, you may or may not have believed in miracles after this particular episode, but there is one that you must believe in now because us three are still alive. This is the 11th podcast interview here at G3. <laughs> And, uh, and we have with us today, by God's grace, our brother, Josh Bice, who is the president and founder of G3 Ministries. I got that right? You got Josh. it, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had Virgil here earlier, who's a director, and we had a, we had a great time with him and his bow tie, by the way. Yep. Always his bow ties, ties have like their own personality. They do yeah. their own identity. Yeah, we was, can't ca- we can't even keep up with them. Yeah. <laughs> he names them. He, he was wearing Larry this morning. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. you no, know, and you should have seen him. He's like, oh, wait till you see what I have in store for tomorrow. Oh like, yeah, this guy yeah. like really plans us out. And he talks. You know, if you get him talking about not only bow ties but also fragrances. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> oh, right? it's a know. whole nother level. What? Man, How do we not level. go there? Yeah, yeah, he's something else. James yeah. White. They're just yeah. rotating bow ties amongst each yeah, other. That's, that's why do. he was talking about creating Alabaster Jar Ministries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Josh, you know, we got to talk uh, a little bit with Virgil about G3, but we'd, we'd love to hear the history from you. I mean, you were there from the Genesis. This was a burden that you had. So tell us, tell us about the, the, the Genesis, the beginnings of it, and, and where it's headed. Yeah. So G3 basically started on our church campus. Uh, I serve as the pastor of... Praise Mill Baptist Church. It's a strange name. I know I, I'm always asked, you know, the, you know, the meaning of that name. Yeah. It's not a, a prayer mill. It's not a we're praising God, although we do praise God. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is a proper name of a man who came from Maine, hmm. settled 181 years ago on the west side of Atlanta um, with inheritance money from his father. Wow. He was traveling by horse and carriage some 12 miles away to a local church. He said, we need a local church here. So he donates land and lumber and helps you know, establish a building that could be used for a schoolhouse through the week. Wow. And then, of course, a church on the Lord's Day. Wow. So they wanted to name the church after him. He said no. So they said, fine, we're going to name it after your mill. <laughs> so <laughs> P-R-A-Y apostrophe S. Yeah. So anyway, so I grew up in this church. Uh, the Lord saves me. I was an unconverted church member. I walked down the aisle of a Southern Baptist church, yeah. you know, prayed the prayer, did the whole thing, right? And in God's grace, being very kind to me, opened my eyes so that I could see and understand the truth of the gospel. And I was converted at age 25. Wow. Uh, I preached my first sermon in the pulpit of our church as a young preacher boy, um, 12 days before the Lord converted me. Wow. You weren't even saved? I wasn't saved. Wait, the same church? Yeah. 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 And so, so then after that, I'm here. I am, you know, of course now, um, in the in the business world, I'd graduated college. I'm I'm working in Atlanta, 
And, you know, I said, well, you know what? At that point, I said, I have no desire to be in public ministry. I'm, I'm content just being a businessman, uh, working hard with my hands, whatever it may be, and then serving God as a faithful churchman. Hmm. But over the course of, you know, months and in, in, in maybe a year or so, I could not escape this insatiable burden to preach the gospel. So I would go into nursing homes and jails and in places like that around Atlanta and preach. And um, so soon thereafter, uh, with my wife just praying, you know what, I should just go ahead and quit my job and, and go to seminary. Wow. So I did. I quit my job, went to seminary and uh, prepared for gospel ministry, pastoral ministry. And what happens during these seven years, I'm away, never thought in a, in a million years that I would be back in the context of my home church. Wow. God in his providence would bring me back home full circle seven years later. <laughs> I arrived in, in the context of my home church as pastor, and the church was not in a good place. Wow. It was not healthy. And, and I thought, you know, it would be really good for us to have a conference here that would be very helpful to the local church, to us, and to other local churches. And so what we did was we just had some meetings, talked about it, and then I said, why don't we do a, the, the, you know, a theology conference, call it G3. Wow. And that would stand for Gospel, Grace, and Glory. If anyone would ask you about the G3 conference, yeah. you could tell them it's a theology conference. Mm-hmm. It's not a conference about pragmatism. It's not a conference that's about how-tos or any of that. I mean, there's, there's a place for that, right? Yeah. But we wanted a theology conference. So, so we established this conference. In what year is this? 2013. Okay. And our, our campus is not a mega church, so we can only seat about 750 people squeezed in fairly tight in this auditorium. Yeah. So we thought we'd have a couple of hundred people come. Um, by the month before, it was in January, so about December, we're, we're shutting down registration because the numbers were so high and we had to just close it down, so 750. We had a waiting list about 200 on the waiting list. And that would be the way the pattern would work for the first four years, 13, 14, 15, 16. And so in 2017, we said, for the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, let's go to the convention center and let's do a larger conference. So we did, we came here. Wow. So we went in 2017 to 2,500 people. We opened up the early bird registration here for the 2018 conference, and in three hours, every seat in the auditorium sold out. So we canceled, stopped registration, started a waiting list, and then said we'd make a decision on whether or not we would be back at the church or back at the convention center. We had full intention to go back to the, you know, from the convention center back to the home church campus. (laughs) Well, we, after we prayed, we determined we would stay at the convention center. Wow. So we went from 2,517 to 2,818. We went from 2,818 to 4,619, from 4,619 to 5,620. But it was in 2020 that we actually announced that we would be transitioning from a conference only to a content producing ministry that would be coming alongside the church, helping the church, 
uh, producing media, curricula, and all sorts of materials for the local church. And then we would move our national conference to the fall, Mm. and then we would do it on a biennial rotation, so every other year. In the off year, we would do regional conferences. Right. So the providence of God in that announcement, January of 2020, March, COVID hits. (laughs) Everyone shuts their conferences down. Everyone cancels their their conferences. The next January, we had, again, made the announcement that we would move our conference to the fall. By the fall, we were able to have our conference. Mm. We never had to cancel it. Yeah. So then it went from from 5,600 to 6,500 in 2021. And then two years later, we're at 8,300 and change here. Absolutely amazing. You know, Mark and I were at the 2021 conference. That was our first one. And we were, we were blown away. As I mentioned, when I went up on stage, just by the, the, the number of people that came up to us and were connected with our ministry, as we shared with Virgil, we realized, man, there's a synergy here. You know, I mean, there was one time we were standing like for a couple hours in the convention hall and uh, and people just kept coming up to us. We loved your ministry, and we thought, man, there's a good synergy. And so, we were blessed to, to partner with you guys. And I, honestly, I'm heartbroken that this is now just once every other year. Uh, but I guess you know it's yeah. working well for you guys. Yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna have two really big regional conferences next year. We've announced those already. So there's one that's gonna be in Texas. It's going to be in South Lake, Texas in May, and it's going to be called the Reformation Conference. Then we're going to do another one at John MacArthur's church. Whoa, and that's in our backyard. Yeah, okay. so that's going to be, we'll be there first week of October. All right. Uh, it's going to be called the Cessationist Conference. Got it. Okay. So, All right. So, Josh, you said a word earlier when you were talking, and, and you mentioned uh, the church that you came back to uh, not being healthy. Yeah. So we know that uh, wokeness is a catastrophic cancer. It's ravaging the church. It's ravaging the world, especially and especially the United States. So for those listening right now, and we want to talk about it, we want to get your, your perspective on it, but for those that are listening that still don't really get it, what is wokeness? Describe it for us. Wokeness is, is like you said, I think it's, it's a cancer. Um, but in terms of the ideology, it, it is indeed a sort of a big tent umbrella that encompasses all sorts of things. Um, but it does have in mind, obviously, uh, the homosexual movement. It has in mind uh, the, you know, the problems with, you know, ethnic prejudice and all sorts of issues related to that. So a lot of times when people think about wokeness, they just run to the racism issue. Yeah. Okay, that's not all that it is. It also involves the Me Too Church Two movement. It involves uh, an attack on marriage and and all sorts of different things. Um, but in terms of the ideology, wokeness in many ways is is leading the church away from the Word of God to embrace a a cultural sort of framework and a lens, providing a lens for you to look through. Uh, in the various spheres of life. So the sphere of, of the home, the sphere of the church, and then the sphere of the culture. And so what wokeness does is says, well, you know, if, if we put this lens in front of your face, then we can, you know, help you see the church differently. So now it should not be just led by men, for instance. Now women can do that too. And so now you're seeing like first wave, second wave, third wave, yeah. feminism. Now this woke thing that's happened uh, complicates things even even more. And then, of course, you have the whole issue with 
the the ethnic prejudice issue. And so you have intersectionality. You know, Kimberly right. Crenshaw, she coined this term in 1989, talking about, you know, various different ways of looking at how people are oppressed and giving you a, a higher intersectionality score based on your oppression, based on the, yeah. the, the melanin count in your skin and all sorts of problems. But if you go back to 2018, I'm sitting there as a pastor in a local church looking at the tsunami of, hmm. of the social justice agenda and the wokeness movement, and, and I'm very, very concerned. And I look and I see denominations are being affected by this, local churches, uh, educational institutions are being affected by this. And so I, I made a phone call to a couple of men, and I said, we need to stand up against this stuff. This, this, is, this is an attack on not only the sufficiency of Scripture, but it's an attack on God's church mm-hmm. as a whole. Right. So we determined at that point, um, I said, well, could we form like a meeting? We, we got together around the table in Dallas, Texas, and tried to diagnose the problem. And from that meeting came the statement on social justice and the gospel. And so uh, to this day, thousands of people have signed that statement to stand against the woke movement. And again, John MacArthur at the table in Dallas uh, looked at me and the other men that were around the table and said that he believes in his estimation that the social justice movement is in and of itself the greatest the greatest attack or assault upon the church in the last 100 years. Wow. 100 years. Yeah. That's amazing. And you know what what breaks my heart is to see that the impact on individuals, the impact on the church at large and and then to see leaders within the church like, you know, bowing to the dictates of that movement and its agenda. I mean, we were seeing, you know, outspoken Christians getting down and and washing people's feet to, to make amends and I mean what what are what are the the negative impacts on individuals and the church would you say from this yeah so um, what you have seen is you've seen it, it divide the church if you look at conferences and ministries and institutions that caved to that agenda they have in many ways fractured yeah. uh, again I, I just point you to Vody Bauckham's very helpful book fault yeah. lines to diagnose some of those problems but if you look back at what he was saying, he was warning, this, this will be a fault issue, and, and it will bring about fractures, mm. and it did. It fractured relationships, it fractured partnerships, it, fra- it fractured ministry relationships, and all sorts of things. Some of those conferences, by the way, have now diminished and shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some schools that are having a hard time with enrollment. So now what are they doing? Instead of now training pastors, what are they doing? Well, well now they have to like, play this out to its fullest extent. So what does that mean? Well, now we have to major on how many women are now enrolled in our schools. Mm-hmm. And so I am not at all against the education of women. So hear me say that to you today. Right. But what I am saying, if, if a seminary is established for the training of men to preach the word and to train you know, the church and for pastoral ministry, and then now you cave to the agenda of wokeism and social justice, now you're having a problem with your enrollment, so now you have to do something different. And this is the whole woke agenda making its way through evangelicalism. Wow. You know, we, we hear the term social justice, and it seems so appropriate and virtuous, but that's loaded, yeah. right? So, so describe that for us. 
Yeah, so uh, if you just go back to the whole situation, you know, uh, if you just look back at the landscape, okay, with George Floyd and you think about what happened, immediately the response was black squares on Instagram, people making statements about Black Lives Matter and all that. Well, well, who in the church that's genuinely committed to what the Bible says with, with true biblical theology would disagree with a statement that black lives matter right, because right. all lives matter, right. right? But the problem is, is that, that that organization was was established on the foundation and the bedrock of a social justice ideology. Hmm. And so it, it was very problematic. And like you said, it was virtuous. So it seemed like the right thing to do. I'm going to put that little image on my Instagram account. I'm going to tweet that message yeah. out. But it was a trap, and those those women that were running that organization abused, used that, misused the funds, bought mansions and property and all sorts of things, certainly not looking out for people, right? It was all about themselves. Yeah. But furthermore, look at the Southern Baptist Convention. If you go back a few years, you'll recall that the Southern Baptists gathered together, which was one of the large—in fact, it still is— the largest evangelical quote unquote denomination in America, I right. think in the, in the world. world yeah. no. And so they debated on the floor in Birmingham, Alabama, a number of years ago on the subject of, it was called Resolution 9 on critical race theory and intersectionality. And the idea was, is that the, the messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention as representatives of their local churches from around the nation should vote to adopt those specific ideologies as analytical tools for gospel ministry. Mm. And wow. that was a massive bombshell. Let me explain why. Yeah. If you rewind the clock just a bit, the Southern Baptist Convention fought a massive war over the subject of biblical inerrancy, but they did not ever even enter the battlefield on biblical sufficiency. Wow. So they fought over the Bible is inerrant, and they took back these institutions that had been handed over to the liberals, and they reclaimed them, and they started to grow. And now here we are, full circle, caving on the issue of social justice, saying we need something other than the sufficient Word of God as analytical tools for gospel ministry. That's why currently... There are many churches that are leaving the Southern Baptist Convention over that very issue right now. Well, I remember, I think it was at the last G3 conference, you were, you were kind of in limbo on that and, and yeah. struggling through it, right? Yeah. 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 In fact, I was asked in the last Q&A in 2021 whether or not we would, as a local church, depart from the SBC. And, and I, I tipped my hand a bit at what the decision would be, but it wasn't yet fully confirmed with the elders in right. the local church. Yeah. But since then, we did leave the Southern Baptist Convention. I wrote an article as to why it is that we made that decision, and you can find that. It's accessible on the G3 website. Yeah, that's good. And it's good to see that there are men that are taking a stand on that because, you know, the pressure mounts. And unfortunately, I think church leaders begin to think about numbers. They begin to think about the financial aspect of things. And then before you know it, man, they're, they're bowing the knee and it's detrimental. So obviously we know that every aspect of wokeism is dangerous. But what would you highlight as some of its most dangerous features? Yeah, I think a um, couple things. 
I think this idea of creating the idea that there's a multiplicity of human races, okay? Mm. So the idea of racism is, is a bombed term. Um, we can have a conversation at a table like this about racism, and I think we know what we mean when we say that, but I don't even like the, the word itself yeah. because there's one human race right. Amen. and a multiplicity of ethnicities, yeah. and yet the only thing that really is different is the, the melanin count yeah. in our shades, <laughs> and, and that's it, right? So, um, it, so what, what wokeism does is it actually divides. It never unifies so you know what unifies us? What this ministry stands for is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. And what G3 stands for is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, regardless of your, your ethnicity, regardless of your melanin count, we are brought together under the banner of the gospel of King Jesus. That's one of the most detrimental things about wokeism. Uh, we want to say two things here. The first thing is that the, the whole idea of critical theory entering pop culture was a surprise to me uh, because uh, I was an atheist through high school and college. And the thing that turned me on to atheism was a white paper that was given to me and a group of friends by a uh, humanities teacher about Karl Marx's critical theory. But to us, we were like nerdy high school kids starting to nerd out on, uh, on, on atheism and critical theory. And so I did not see that becoming a pop culture thing to the point where massive multi-million dollar organizations were utilizing it as a tool, as, a, as an ideology, you know? Uh, that was a shock to me. I didn't see that coming. I thought I was just like fringe information that I was reading back in 2001 or whenever it was. But the second thing I want to say is this, that I think it's important to recognize, and you kind of started to touch on this, uh, that there's going to be racial issues mm. and there's going to be equality issues. Uh, the, the, the route to solve those is the question, yeah. right? What are we using? What is going to be the thing that unifies us? What is going to be the thing that, that brings about uh, restoration and what reconciliation and what we are saying is that only through an understanding a worldview that understands the problem correctly mm -hmm. that can analyze it correctly only when it's analyzed correctly can we apply the right solution correctly and that analytical tool has to be God's view of justice yes absolutely so we would say amen to that obviously you are right we live in a world that is fractured by sin we live in a world that is contaminated by sin. And so as a result of that, there will be all sorts of, you know, unequal weights and measurements. There will be all sorts of, you know, inequality and a lack of justice. But, but as you stated, what's the right answer? The right answer is God's word. God's word speaks about true biblical justice, right. not this social gospel justice right. thing that has now emerged through the lens of cultural Marxism and other things. So the right answer is always to apply the Word of God, and God's Word is absolutely sufficient. It doesn't matter what continent you're on, what city you're in, it doesn't matter what language you speak, God's Word is sufficient. It transcends all of that. Uh, yeah. Josh, I, go ahead. Nope. No follow-up? No, you go. Are you sure? I'll say, I'll say one thing, because uh, you mentioned theology earlier, which I'm like a theology nerd. And I think one thing that I realized is that if you rewind about seven, ten years ago, if there's a confession to have, maybe we had 
a gap on a good theology of justice. And what's great is that over the last few years, a lot of great books have come out to sort of try to clarify that because we've realized we need a theology of justice because if there's a vacuum on a theology of justice, something's going to fulfill that vacuum. Yeah, right? absolutely. So I have uh, two kids in college, secular college, and my uh, daughter-in-law in her mathematics class, the professor had said, if you're a Christian, you will not do well in this class. This is not just what we've seen over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It's completely different. Yeah. How do my kids, how do kids in high school, when mom and dad are not there, what, what advice do you have for these kids that are in there? Do they pick their battles? Do they combat everything that's ever said when they're asked to uh, say, hey, yeah, yeah I, I'm a he, him, every time they go to respond to a question inside the classroom? Mm-hmm. What, what tools do we give them? What do yeah. we say to them? Well, first of all, I think that anytime someone leaves their home, a Christian home, to go to the secular university, uh, I think parents need to try to aid them in finding a healthy local church in that city. So yeah. that's, that's Amen. like foundation. All right. So that, yeah. I mean, we can't just gloss over that, right? Yeah. That is the importance of the local Absolutely. church. Right. Yeah. So the pastors themselves can be praying and giving an account and leading them and directing them and pointing them exactly how to be led. That is so essential. Absolutely. And I think you're right about this. I mean, right. So, so this woke, this wokeism, this, this social justice tsunami has infected the whole of life. So even mathematics, so like, you know, when Harvard tweets out two plus two might not actually equal four. I mean, this is massive, wow. right? So, so yes, it's affected mathematics. It's affected, you know, the humanities. It's affected English literature. By the way, that's a massive area. That's a massive area that is oftentimes bombed by the, the woke ideologies is the English department. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so I think in terms of fighting the battles, I think um, it would be irresponsible for us. I would just agree with, you know, someone like a Jordan Peterson, for instance, who would refuse, and he would say on most cases, I would probably go even to an extreme to say on all cases, I don't really want to, um, to speak to someone and to, uh, to come to a conversation with a person based on their preferred pronouns because I think I'm lying to them. Right. And so I want to speak truth to to a person. I want to tell them the truth. Now, keep in mind, I don't want really to to put more hurdles in front of people other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, uh, I want to educate uh, children. I want to educate young people that have the ability to think, to articulate arguments, to stand firm, to defend the faith. By the way, that was through a classical lens of education that is now completely gone from our nation. If you look back at history and you look at the people that we stand upon their shoulders, you look at someone like a William Tyndale, for instance, other people like that that shook the world with the gospel, those individuals were educated through a classical lens. So local church matters. Uh, Understanding how to articulate truth and to think properly matters. So we need to be training our children in our home before we send them out into the culture, obviously. Um, But, yeah, I mean, obviously, I I, I would say I'm not willing to just use preferred pronouns if we're going to have that conversation. Yeah, that's good. You know, I want to name a name. And, you know, we had our brother, um, 
uh, Justin with us here earlier. And he, you know, he names names. And today, so many are staying away from that. But take someone, for example, like Andy Stanley. Yeah. Who has kowtowed to the, the whole uh, woke agenda. How important is it for Christian leaders to, to point that out? You know, because I think if, if, if we don't follow in the footsteps of someone like Justin Peters, who's, who's going to, to name names and, and highlight these things, I think that we're minimizing our impact on people recognizing the error in these things. So, so what do you think about that? Christian leaders standing up saying, look, you need to be aware of him and him and him and, you know, her in some, yeah. <laughs> some cases. Yeah, I think we've been so conditioned to just be kind and nice and respectful and that sort of thing. And there is a place for that. Yeah. There's also a place for naming names. Yeah. And when Paul says Alexander the coppersmith, mm. he's naming a name. Yeah. And people understood who that individual was. Right. Um, I think we should name names. I am very much appreciative of my friend Justin Peters and thankful and grateful that he would have the, the conviction to do just that. Yeah. If a wolf is pursuing your children in a park, or if a, if a great white shark is swimming up the coastline and your children are playing in the surf on the side of the beach, um, I dare say you're probably not going to just try to speak softly and be gentle. You're actually going to speak with conviction mm-hmm. because you care about the well-being of your children. Right. When it comes to Andy Stanley, we should tell the truth. Yeah. We should actually name his name. We should call him a wolf. We should call him someone who is... Uh, harming the church. Yeah. We should encourage true believers in that church to leave. And I say that right. because I have done just that. Let me explain something to you. Yeah. To do what we do at a national conference like this is astronomical. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. We work for two years for four days. <laughs> yeah. And just to pull this off. Well, when we open the doors to this facility, it's a massive open concrete floor. And they say, here it is, build it. <laughs> and we have to go build everything, including that stage and then the production team and all of the cameras and the lights and everything. Yeah. So that process of that production team, we have to meet with them. We have to go over like all of the moving parts, the schedule, everything that we're going to need to pull this off. Yeah. Well, we were using one specific company for a number of years and I had connections with this company and, and they had been you know working with us as our partners. We were about, say, halfway through the process of this very conference planning things when I stepped off of the airplane one day, checked my email, and saw this long email from the company stating that they're severing relationships with us immediately because of my personal statements about Andy Stanley. Oh, you had made some public statements. I had made some (laughs) statements about Andy Stanley. And and then here's, here's this man that owns this company, and he's employed... You know, lots of individuals who are actually in that church. And so this cancel culture is real. But the fact of the matter is simply this. um, We have to be willing to name the name of the individual that's hurting God's church. It's God's church. It's not ours. Yeah, that's good. And, And I think the passivity that we're seeing in the body of Christ has consequences. You know, we always use that that well known saying that ideas have consequences. And they do. We see what's happening with wokeness. Well, inaction has consequences. 
and it's high time we as God's people stand up. Brother, Amen. we're so glad you're doing it and you're doing it effectively. Amen. Again, we're honored to, to partner and, and, and link arms with you guys and we hope to continue to do more of that. Can you quickly just tell our people as we wrap up how they can uh, connect with your ministry, G3, and whatever else you have going on, your church? Just yeah. Go for it. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's our privilege to partner with you guys and your ministry. Thank, we're, we're so grateful for what you guys stand for, for the... The, the public stand that you take, the, the sharing of the gospel openly, your commitment to that, that's been a huge encouragement to me and so many others, you know, in, in my own, uh, you might say, journey of faith. Thank you. Um, Ray, Ray Comfort has charted the course well. Yes, we, he has. We stand on his shoulders. Amen. Yeah. Well, G3 Ministries, you can find information at g3min.org. We have an app. It's free. You can download it in the app store. And so you can connect with us there. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much. We look forward to continuing to connect, and hopefully we can have you back on the podcast soon if you're out in the L.A. area. It would be my privilege. God bless. God bless. Well, he was last, but most certainly not least. That was some good stuff from mm-hmm. Josh Bice. And guys, I was thinking about the far-reaching impacts of G3. You know, people are coming from all over the country, different parts of the world, and that are going back and taking what they've learned, and they're influencing their local church and the people they know and everyone around them. Yeah, you know, seeing so many different people, pastors and teachers and conferences going woke, it's neat to see Josh Bice uh, really take a stand and making sure that his foundation, his source of authority is the Word of God, mm-hmm. unwavering and unapologetic. Amen. Yeah, well put, Mark. And friends, you heard Josh mention all the info you need to find out more about G3. They're, they're doing regional conferences now along with the main one every other year. Uh, we would love to see you there because uh, we'll more than likely be at all of them. So there you have it. Scientific Facts in the Bible book, Living Waters Mug, The Evidence Study Bible, all at livingwaters.com, podcast at livingwaters.com with your thoughts, comments, suggestions. And don't forget, friends, tell a friend. Get this podcast continuing to flow. One of the top podcasts in the world because of God's grace and your involvement. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast. The ultimate cure. (laughs) (laughs) Jump the gun for insomnia.